0: Kings fans, are you ready to see that Stanley Cup banner raised again? You are now listening to The Bannerman,
1: an LA Kings podcast.
0: Can you smell it in the air? It's the middle of September. Training camps are opening. By the time you listen to this, hockey is officially back, ladies and gentlemen. How are you tonight, Vardy?
1: I'm doing really well, man and it's nice to nice to feel it in the air tonight, oh Lord it's time little, man just little like Phil that. Collins for you little is it Phil just, Collins
0: Is it just me or was this one of the shorter off seasons in terms of obviously it's not um, literally shorter, but feeling <laughs> short maybe maybe because the kings did little to nothing mm. and we weren't expecting them to do much of anything and here we are. Because camp is, like I said, by the time everyone's listening to this, camp is underway.
1: Yeah, I think there was like maybe like a one or two week period in August where I really felt like, dear God, this is taking so long. Let hockey start again. Please, please, please. Um, But I agree. Like after the draft, we kind of knew that there wasn't really going to be a ton of activity. If there was any activity, it would have been really surprising for us, um, at least from the Kings standpoint. So, yeah, I, I don't feel like it's been as excruciating a weight for like it usually feels like i agree with you on that one
0: and um a part of training camp a small part of training camp is the rookie tournament the annual rookie tournament and vardy on the 8th on sunday we were in the house in irvine in that beautiful facility i forget the name five points arena i believe is what it's called A really really nice little rink they've it's not little at all actually that they've built out there and we got to take in the colorado avalanche taking on the kind of home team los angeles kings (laughs) and uh it was an ass whipping of epic proportions baby
1: that's right but thankfully we were on the giving end not the receiving end i think it's the only win we've had in the tournament in the last two years I don't I'm not superstitious or anything but it's the only game we've been to either. So uh,
0: <laughs> it's the first Kings game I went to this season or this year there you in go. The 2019. So There you go. There you have it. Um, overall I think it, it was great. I'm glad we went. What well, was crazy and we'll get into the game, but what really struck me is the amount of scouts and <laughs> hockey personnel and I'm not talking about like big names yep. floating around that arena and yeah, it's, it's a beautiful, big facility, but it's the, – the ice – like the arena arena is not that big. Mm-hmm. So you take 10 steps and you might bump into Joe Sackick.
1: You Matter take, of fact, we
0: did. Yeah, you take another 20 steps, you might be rubbing shoulders with John Chica on the Arizona Coyotes.
1: <laughs> That's right. In fact um, – so yeah, I think it seats 2,000 people, the arena. And there was definitely not 2,000 people there the day that we were there. Um, And then above it, if you can just kind of imagine, for those of you who haven't been there, um, there's this big open walkway area with these standing tables. And on top of that, they had folding tables on like a little press box area that they had set up. And so around that top area where the standing area was, they had roped off barely roped off some areas where the the brass of all the teams that were in the tournament were just kind of standing there it wasn't just the kings and the avalanche you know scouts and gms and whatnot because right after the kings game there was going to be the sharks coyotes game and then after that there was going to be the vegas and uh and the ducks game and so literally the top brass of all six teams were just there within arms distance and so we were playing this little game um during the game actually where we were just looking around the arena trying to spot different people that we affiliated from different teams and then during the intermissions we were just getting up and doing laps and like going oh there's Joe Sackick, there's Claude Lemieux there's Rob Blake there's Doug Wilson I mean it was just a who's who. I we joked that if a meteor had hit this arena right there <laughs> and then it would set back hockey for these six franchises by like a decade because that <laughs> was there was that many important people at this building we yeah. We're probably the least important people in that building.
0: Right, but I mean even, you know, no more Bannerman even episodes then were
1: pretty important.
0: Like no more Bannerman episodes if the mean, meteor hits that's pretty severe. That might be the worst
1: consequence that. of said meteor.
0: Yes. Um, imagine, guys, if the Great Western Forum was just the lower bowl. Remember the Forum? You could walk around mm-hmm. the whole yep. thing, and yep. very just do a very, nice lap. <laughs> very similar to that, except smaller, obviously. Um, and Luke Robotai wasn't there, unlike the Forum, which <laughs> upset Vardy because he it. <laughs> he was he was hoping to get some of his swag signed by Luke. Um, didn't happen, so we're gonna have to wait for the next one that comes to la which ain't happening next year because i think it's in uh, arizona next year so we're gonna have to wait for that but if you guys get a chance if it comes back to to la or the la area it's a neat little thing to be in the same building as yeah as so many of those guys um another guy in the building jesse cohen we ran into him yep good dude good Good man the the rumors are true (laughs) he's a nice guy he had a nice chat he had nice things to say about our show i won't get into too much detail but he was very complimentary and uh, it was really cool to meet him
1: yeah and he you know chatted hockey chatted the team with us a little bit like nothing crazy he he obviously wasn't going to be like all right guys i won't tell anyone this but here's the inside there was none of that but it was just it was nice to you know just to chat with someone who clearly has a love for the team and you know knows what he's talking about
0: shout out to jesse cole for being a cool guy but the game the game itself was very interesting, Vardy. It was mm-hmm. very interesting from my perspective because it was our first look at quite a few of these guys. Obviously guys like Jared Anderson Dolan we've seen plenty. But a couple of guys, man, Arthur Kaliev was the first time we got to see him play. For me, mm-hmm. first time I got to see Akil Thomas play. Mm-hmm. First time I got to see Sean Dersey play. So there is like even Austin Strand I had never seen really play. Yeah. So there is a just a bunch of guys that I was really focused in on. And some of them impressed, some of them not so much. It it was one game. Either way, whether I was impressed or not, it was just one game. But anyone that stood out to you, Vardy, and then I'll kind of throw out my gems. Um,
1: You know, it's funny. I guess I I will will preface this just kind of like reading some of the reviews from the people who had been there for the entire tournament, and the one name that seems like everyone. Was saying like, oh, head and shoulders above anyone else was Blake Lazat, and
0: yeah, yeah.
1: I granted, I he definitely had a motor on him and he was working, but I I don't recall ever being like, man, who was that? Was you know? And again, it was one game, like you mentioned. Um, Across the board, I think the one thing that we both pointed out was just, man, how quick the prospects are. Yes, it's just it's it's not just you know straight line speed or anything like that just every bit of the movement everything that's going on is just so much faster than i seem to remember being maybe what was it seven eight years ago the last time maybe we went to one of these prospect camps or training camps i can't really recall but it was just it was very very clear that this is a new breed of pipeline that either it you know, not just the Kings, obviously every team is kind of shooting for this, but quickness and movement, even if you're not a great straight, straight line skater, like maybe Bjornfoot or whoever, it was all about just quick acceleration, quick movement of the puck. Everything was just fast. And every single guy, especially on the forward aspect of things I felt like was just showing up, ready to run through a wall to show that, you know, they were here to play. And there was a lot of guys like that. I think Lazat was like that, Anderson Dolan was like that, akil Thomas was like that. It was just like cannonballs everywhere. I yeah. felt like
0: uh tempo, man, what a tempo to that game. Tempo, even thank you. Even Colorado, who the scoreboard tells you they got blown out, they were playing with a lot of pace too. It was right. just a really quick game. It was one of those, you know, blink and you might miss something kind of games. And there were some great plays, but to me, the one guy that stood out, and it wasn't like head and shoulders above, but Sean Dersey really mm-hmm. stood out to me. And particularly on the power play situations. Mm-hmm. Man, can he ever move that puck? His his look offs, his hockey IQ seems very, very high. Yeah. Granted, on, on on power play situations you have a little bit more time, but even then, man, just he has really good vision he might have had a good day there I don't know but in that game he had he had tremendous vision moving the puck well making little smart plays and I think that made me feel really good about the Jake Muzzin deal uh, yeah alone so obviously Carl already left a very positive impression on us so man you look at that now look at what you got from that trade you got Dursey you got Grunstrom and you got a first-round pick who was playing in that tournament. Toby Barefoot.
1: Toby Barefoot, that's
0: right. <laughs> Toby Barefoot. And he looked okay. Very steady, I guess. Like, he looked fine. Looks I like, think he was as
1: advertised, honestly. Much. I yeah, think he was steady, much. unspectacular, but, like, making good passes. Again, he's not hes not a Dursey-type defenseman, right? Like, Dursey's going to make his money on the power play and driving offense. I think foot is going to be your steady two-way defender. You know, ideally this like 20-25 point kind of guy. Right. I think I think he definitely projects out as that. If looking at his play.
0: Yeah, and if he can slip into the top four, great. Yeah. Uh, Mikey Anderson looked pretty good. Pretty solid. Mikey.
1: Mikey Azamont also looked really good. He did. He was really kind of all over nice the ice. Noticeable. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, Jared Anderson-Dolan looked fine. Mm-hmm. The only guy I could say... Also, I was very impressed with Austin Strand. Uh, mm-hmm. He... There was a couple of rush plays he made where you could tell he's like trying to show something. He's trying to... Yeah. It's like a little extra, a little more jammed than usual. He's... He's trying out there. So he was cool. The one guy that I felt really kind of struggled was Akil Thomas. And Mm -hmm. it's not that he struggled. He was just – I didn't like some of his decisions. He felt – it felt to me like he was rushing a few plays. Again, one game. Other reports from other games were like he's fine. Yeah. Um, But I, I would have liked to see a little more. But overall, I mean, it looks good. It looks pretty good from where we were sitting and right there's something to be excited about with this squad right now and it's not even counting like the kind of faux prospects that are you know still in the king's lineup <laughs> the wagner's the luffs you know they're grunstrom. still <laughs> grunstrom there's still young players who just you know were too were too old to play in this tournament right. um so there's a lot there man kale Clegg was not there was and
1: there was, a, and there was- Right, and I was gonna say there's a solid contingent of players who weren't there for one reason or another. Um, Kale Clay, I don't think we're. I'm not a hundred percent sure why he wasn't there because I think he meets the age cutoff, which I think was 22 for the tournament. I'm taking that maybe as a projection that like they wanted him to be more so focused on the real training camp. Maybe he's maybe he's kind of a bubble player there. Um, but then obviously you have your you have your NCAA guys in. Alex Turcotte, who clearly is, you know, a top line player, at least is projected out to be. And then, of course, Gabe Velarde, you know, glacial progress, but sounds like some progress at least being made. So he clearly wasn't there either. Um, you know, I got to say the one other guy that kind of was trying to stand out, but was maybe shooting himself a foot in the foot a little bit was uh, Sammy Fagamo to me like yeah. there was there was a lot of attempts on his part to just try to make a one-man
0: yeah. dash
1: through everyone in fact i remember one particular play where him and arthur kaliev could have very easily had a two-on-one and he decided that he was just gonna dipsy doodle around someone and, and kaliev was just standing there right. wide open waiting for a pass that never came he turned a two-on-one
0: and, into a one-on-one basically exactly Attack the exactly defenseman, yeah, instead exactly of space it out
1: Exactly. And and then looking back at some of the quotes from the tournament, I remember from the first tur- the first game, uh, Mike Southers also mentioned that, you know, Fagamo was getting a little too cute from time to time. And I, I totally saw that. Not that I would look to discourage a young offensive player from maybe getting a little creative, but those are the types of plays that I think y- you got to pick and choose when you do it. If there's a better play out there, those are the things that you would like to see him kind of develop out of his game a little bit
0: I thought similarly with Rasmus Kupari not that he was Mm -hmm. trying as much but it just felt like there was just I don't know if it's a self-inflicted thing but he felt like it felt like he was putting pressure on himself to do something or just make something happen sometimes instead of letting the game come to him again little things these guys are going to be good players not too worried about it but
1: yeah, I mean look at how many names we just listed off. Like every single yeah. one of these guys that we just talked about, that's like 12 guys that are worth talking about. They're not just like, oh, we're just going to throw this. You know what I mean? Like these are legit people that everyone has an eye on as a prospect.
0: Yeah, and like I said, there's, there's still like Sheldon Remple and like mm-hmm. Matt Luff is still floating around there. Daniel Brickley right. is still considered somewhat of a prospect. So there's all kinds of – just the prospect pool is the turnaround. We've mentioned this before is outstanding. Yeah. it's just outstanding today. I was since our last episode, there have been like 10 articles about how outstanding the Kings prospect pool yeah. is including, you know, hockey experts, ESPN <laughs> had, had the Kings as the second best <laughs> Home prospect of NHL pool. tonight. Yeah. Second breast, second best, second best, second best <laughs> prospect pool in the NHL behind the Rangers. And, they didn't even have Gabe Velarde on the or list,
1: or Alex Turcotte. No, they, they had, did. I'm sorry, they didn't
0: have Velarde. It's just like yeah. man, the the one thing I I took away after leaving that rink and just thinking about all the guys who weren't there. It's like, can you imagine if if Gabe Velarde makes a recovery? Yeah, and he is the player that he was advertised to be. Right, man, watch out. That is a deep, deep prospect pool. Yep.
1: And I think you're going to start seeing it kind of gradually you know float into the lineup. I don't think the kings are in necessarily any hurry to just bring up a bunch of nineteen year olds and inject them in there because they know what they've got. They know that this is good this is a process, and they can be patient, I think. They can afford to be patient a little while longer with all these guys. and develop them somewhat properly
0: sure and and today's nhl prospect does not take as much as long to develop as let's say eight years ago it, it's yeah. not it's not like that anymore you, they're not rolling in at, at 26 27 or right or even 23 24 the kings themselves have been more patient but i think as the game evolves as you understand how important younger players are i think you're going to see these guys get chances much faster Right, at like it, 21, then pre- 22, yeah. then 20. I mean, look at the guys who are, you know, considered the cream of the crop in the league. Mm-hmm. They're all coming in early. They're making mm-hmm. an impact right away. And there's a lot of them. It's not like you can't just, you know, pick out, let's say, Austin Matthews and be like, well, he's a special case. No, Yeah. most of them are special cases now. Yeah. So it's becoming the norm rather than the exception.
1: Right, and it's also, you know, looking at, how the UFA and RFA rules are you know, at a certain age, or a certain number of seasons played, these guys are going to be unrestricted free agents, and so you have to capitalize on their youth. You have to capitalize on the fact that you can maybe sign them at a younger age for an extended period of time, and get what you can for your money. Because the longer they play, the more money they're going to make, and the less likely they're going to want they're going to be to actually sign and stay with your team anymore the way things are looking in the league right now
0: yeah let's talk about how the things are how things are looking in the league right now Vardy. okay the rfa situation around the nhl is pretty batshit crazy right now (laughs) Have, have you seen the list of not just young rfas but potential franchise players who do not have a contract with camp underway I mean, as there's a few that I,
1: this. yeah. I mean, there's a few that I immediately think of in my head, like Patrick Line and That's one, and Mitch Marner. That's those two. two. Those two immediately. Miko Rantanen does have yes. a contract.
0: No, he does not.
1: Oh, he doesn't. He I does not. He, did. he oh. is
0: currently in Finland as Colorado <laughs> training camp opens. Check this list out: Mitch Marner, Patrick Line, Kyle Connor, Miko Rantanen. Brock Besser, Braden Point, Charlie McAvoy, Ivan Provorov, and Zach wierenski oh Hold on, those last two just signed. In the oh, last, I didn't see few Provorovs.
1: Days. I saw Varensky's, and I thought Varensky's contract was.
0: It was five million, right?
1: Was it five? Yeah. I thought it was more than that. I thought it was closer to seven. Man.
0: Maybe I will have to double check that. But
1: here, I'll get old cap friendly. Save yeah. me now.
0: Provorov is six years, forty million.
1: Yeah, so Provorov is 6.75. There you go. Oh, man, Josh Morris, he signed for 6.25? Josh
0: Morris, he just signed too. That's right.
1: Uh, You know, you're right. Varensky was five times three. That's why. $15 okay. million
0: over three years. Yeah. yeah. So those two are off the list, but look at that list. That is madness. These are cornerstone players. Okay, Brock Besser... Is the the Vancouver Canucks right now. Charlie McAvoy is like the number one defenseman of the future for that team. Oh, and by the way, uh, Brandon Carlo hasn't signed either for Boston. So that's another kind of second-tier player you could throw in there.
1: Right, and then Clayton Keller signed that. Clayton Keller
0: just signed. Seven million and we were it's funny because i I think not long ago on this show we were talking about how these players have a chance remember we were talking about this wave of player right is going to set the market for the next i don't know how long in the nhl and not just set the market but change the way management views contracts views entry-level contracts or i should say bridge contracts right and views that second contract the second contract now is like your time to get your money. Mm-hmm. It's crazy and they're all young. Mitch Marner, okay.
1: <laughs> he's has, been the story pretty much all summer. Has, Mostly cuz he's playing for Toronto, but also cuz he might be the most well him and Patrick Liney are probably toe to toe in terms of being, you know, the headliner of this RFA crop.
0: Yeah, and and Mitch Marner has turned down a 7-year deal worth 77 million dollars. <laughs> Are you what?
1: More than Anze Kopitar for those 11 of you? Eleven
0: million a year. He said, "Nah, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good, man." And all because uh, this is depending on depending on what you read. It's it's because it's lower than Austin Matthews' contract,
1: right? Which in is, terms of the yearly value. Yeah, which got is got one more just year, stupid. but the yearly value.
0: Just come on now. You can't.
1: Because that $1 million is going to make a imagine, huge difference.
0: Imagine this kid's like, yeah, um, I should be making as much as John Tavares and Austin Matthews, so figure it out.
1: But you know what? He can say that because he knows that someone will pay him that. Someone will offer sheet him at some point, potentially, if the NHL was a slightly different game. If the NHL was like the NBA, a little more, you know, cuckoo bananas, which is slowly approaching – Someone would offer sheet Mitch Marner $13 million a year.
0: How the hell are people not using the offer sheet, man? It's driving me crazy. It's Someone <laughs> use an offer sheet. I Because $13 million would cost you four first-round picks. Right. And I think we've been through this. First-round picks matter more in hockey than you yes. know, most sports and all this yes. stuff. Fine, fine, fine. But give me the action. <laughs> you know?
1: It truly, in my opinion, that would be the one thing that – Again, it's it's kind of contradictory because I think the players should be arguing that the offer sheet, you know, the, the retribution should come down from what it is. Right, it, It's kind of like the GM set it up like, OK, this is what it's going to be, even though they all internally agree that they would never offer sheet one another every once every five years. You see him come around. But I think if if it was. Even if it was three first-round picks or something like that, I think you would see so many more offer sheets.
0: Yeah, they got to make it more reasonable. Four first-rounders yeah. is nuts. Which again, it, it's they, designed they can... for them not to use it. Exactly. That's, exactly. That's, that's no fun. It's the
1: it's the <laughs> it's the dumbest thing in the world. It's yeah. you know, Montreal was the only one who dared give Sebastian Aho a, a an offer sheet this year, and, and that it, was it.
0: And even even that was just laughed at
1: (laughs) but it's it's just silly yeah why does it even exist are you even really a restricted free agent like you don't have any capability to to flex in any way in that situation so this is what you have to do you have to threaten holding out you have to threaten do whatever you can to make your 13 million and i think Mitch marner is ready to pull a william nylander on these guys and sit out for as long as it takes until he gets the money that he wants
0: but they're – man.
1: <laughs> they're up against it, dude. They, they're dude, way up against it. They
0: have to it. be. I, 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 we'll pull up their cap, I'm sure, at, this bo- at some it's, point. I'll
1: tell you exactly how much cap space they have. Zero.
0: <laughs> there you go.
1: That's without Mitch Marner under contract. They have zero cap space right now.
0: There you go. And, and, and the funny – kind of a funny story thread in all this is, is Mitch Marner's daddy is like <laughs> – all up in his business, dude. This just, so, like, I had heard on Twitter, or whatever, that his dad is like could be a problem. And I think recently he came out and said, you know, you know, all we hear in Toronto media is like how uh, Austin Matthews is pretty much a lock as the as the Leafs captain. And you guys don't have no idea how that makes our family feel. <laughs> that Mitch isn't being. Our, dude <laughs> like, uh, okay yeah so they're <laughs> they're at zero he was not lying
1: uh, I, Although I, I think to be fair like there's a good number of people this number i think is uh without the ltir i think some of this falls off i'm not really sure cat friendly is kind of weird in that way that it'll give you like a number but i think the true number of, regardless if they sign marner to whatever deal you think Marner deserves, which is basically anything over 9 million easily, with someone's going to have to move for them to fit Marner in there.
0: I'd like to remind but, everyone that this is a bridge. <laughs> this is potentially a bridge this is a contract.
1: Bridge to nowhere, man. <laughs> That's what it is.
0: Come on. Uh, so, yes, I'm looking at it now. It looks like Vardy, you're, you're right. It if looks, I do the calculations now— it looks like right they're now, counting the IR, which is. 13 million in, in injured reserve money
1: right so without that so if you take the 20 that they have on their defense plus the 45 and some change that they have on offense here at 65 then you have like roughly 6 million or so in goalie so they're at 71 okay plus they owe money to phil kessel on the bottom there on the trade which is another 1.2 yep um oh so, by the way
0: they're 4 million over the cap right so you got to subtract that too so thank you yep. c- they can't sign Marner to 11 million. It,
1: they have to move someone, and there's been another. There's been a lot of names flown around as to who they would move in that situation, but really, the big money guys that they would consider. It's just
0: I, I don't know how they would do it. Who the hell can? You, Nylander is the only guy I could look at and be like, maybe.
1: Yeah, because they just brought Tyson Berry and Cody Ceci on.
0: on. Oh, yeah. So this is a weird. Odd situation. I don't know. my my question is like let's forget that he you know just rejected 11 million dollars right a year like Toronto offers that knowing that they're going to have to move a significant player in order to make that even happen yeah man
1: again i i think I'm missing something here on the numbers because – There
0: has to be, right? Because th- yeah, it's
1: just impossible. Th- there's, there's more to it than this. But I think even still, if they if they sign at 11, they would still have to move, I think, somehow like 4 million. Because even if I look at their IR, that's 13.6 million. But they're over the cap by a significant amount. So this math is making my head hurt thanks to Ronno.
0: Yeah. So the point is – they're they're in deep trouble. Mm-hmm. Another team in deep trouble, Tampa Bay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That what? Braden Point contract is not going to be a cheap one. But we remember looking at Tampa Bay before that they had succeeded in signing a bunch of dudes to reasonable four or five-year deals. Yes. problem with that is that they haven't succeeded in winning a cup with those reasonable four or five-year deals. And so every year, these guys are getting a little bit older, and your window might be getting a little bit tighter here and there. Well, so,
0: so Tampa has cap space. They have 8.4. Right. But Braden Point ain't going to get 8.4. 8-9-9. No,
1: not at all. And they just brought on Kevin Shattenkirk for 1.75. Yes. That might not seem like much, but, again, you're chipping away at your cap space by doing so.
0: So, yeah, they'd have to move someone. It's funny because it, you look at Toronto, you're like, wow, you know, this is the cost of winning. They haven't won a damn thing. Yeah. Have they gone out of the first round yet with this group? I don't think they have.
1: Ultimately, if you don't win a cup, it's completely irrelevant. San Jose will tell you that. They've gotten so close so many times. Tampa Bay will tell you that. You don't get any – You don't. there's no consolation bracket.
0: Yeah, and uh, New Sharks captain, Logan Couture.
1: Oh, God. Carter likes to call him – the most punchable face in the NHL. I
0: just don't like him. I <laughs> do not like him.
1: Yeah. But yeah. anyway, interesting things. Lots of RFAs still unsigned. Caps opening up today, basically. Um, happy to say that the Kings are not in that situation. Adrian Kempe was the last uh, remaining player, and he signed for a very, very reasonable, what was it three years, two million per
0: we talked about this this is one of those like the I follow campy deals, right. like the big shoulder shrug just sure by the way yeah. three straight first round exits for toronto with this group
1: oh good call okay so
0: there you go um uh, but yeah the king's Worth every penny yeah and the window's wide open for a long time but they're already in trouble with three first yeah. round exits they're already in trouble right. um yeah I, I i i'm not sure what the specifics on the campy deal are but Sure, it's, 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 a, an,
1: it's three at two million. Okay, each. so great. And he'll, he'll still be an RFA at the end of it.
0: Fantastic.
1: So that's that is your legitimate bridge deal. That is your classic. Yeah, you got that, three that's years to prove yourself. Show me
0: contract. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think the yeah, Alex I follow signed the same thing. Mm-hmm. And
1: actually, I follow got a little bit more. It's sure, two but, years, but it's two still, years, it'll hire. Yeah,
0: yeah, but it's still you got to show me and then we'll, we'll worry about it later, right? So Patrick Laine rumors, Vardy. <laughs> they, man. They are flying. You,
1: you were beating that drum months ago.
0: I'm man. Te- I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Actually, there was a tweet like uh, a couple days ago where it was like Patrick Laine has been traded to Anaheim, and I just that was a almost soiled myself.
1: Yeah, thank God. Um uh, not that it was an Eklund account.
0: Not, yeah, <laughs> not that will. not that it's gonna make the ducks. A cup contender or anything because they have a lot of other problems, but that would suck to see that guy yeah.
1: several times a season. Do you know the one other Ducks rumor that's been floating around is, I know. is Kevin Falk
0: uh, coming Falk. over?
1: Justin Falk, sorry.
0: Yeah.
1: um Yeah, because Carolina just signed Jake Gardner. And so, you know, whatever, I guess, uh, if that makes him happy. I don't think Justin Falk's a great player. He's. I think he's. A second pairing defenseman in yeah. an ideal situation he's a second pairing defenseman sure that doesn't that doesn't worry me as much as a patrick line for <laughs> seven future years does
0: correct uh, i i did hear the falk rumor i don't know it, it, he's he's an interesting he reminds me of kevin shattenkirk in his prime mm. and he i feel like his trajectory is Kevin Shaq. <laughs> like, that's his...
1: So, he'll be bald he'll in be, a couple of years? He'll
0: look like Andy Kaufman, <laughs> and you'll be bought out. That's, All right. <laughs> that's... That's what I'm saying. What well, camp a,
1: is opened. Camp's I mean, open. We're excited. Camp sure. is open. And, you know, as camp begins, roster projections and things like that become very prevalent.
0: That's right. The rosters are out.
1: For yeah. Camp. So, we can look at... You can look at the uh, training camp rosters or are out on LA Kings Insider and most places Kings, you know, affiliated. Um, I don't think there's a, there's a couple random PTOs, Lance Boma or whatever. I don't think any of these PTO guys are really going to challenge for a, uh, NHL roster spot like years past where, you know, you, a seven, a, a seven dead Gucci is what I was going to call him, but a Devin said a Gucci, uh, <laughs> uh, might challenge for a spot. I think it's pretty clear here maybe like 21 of the guys, 22 of the guys that I think are going to make it. But where it gets interesting is some of these younger guys, even the ones who were playing decent amount of minutes and games for the Kings. Um, where do they end up to start the year? Because the, they Kings still have a decent amount of flexibility in terms of waiver motion, right. whether they send players up or down. And, you know, they, they signed guys like Martin Firk and, Joachim Ryan for a reason. Granted, they're one-year deals, but I don't think they signed these guys for the sake of sending them down to the AHL necessarily. I think they signed these guys to plug into the lineup so they could potentially have their younger players, even guys like the Wagners and the Luffs of the world, the Grundstroms, you know, people who have—who are right there on the cusp and are, are projected to be significant members of this team maybe even at some point this season i don't necessarily think that they're going to start up on the nhl roster i'll be really honest with you yeah
0: it's possible it's very, now,
1: very injuries possible. and things like that obviously change things up i know Derek forbert is still having some i thought he had some surgical procedure done or whatever and so maybe that opens up a spot for someone like daniel brickley or Kale yeah, clake to start paula Right. So, so things like that will change things up. But I think if everyone is healthy, I think a lot of these guys that we saw for even 30, 40 games last season might start in the AHL because, again, the Kings have the ability to send them up and down um, without them having to clear waivers.
0: Yeah, and this has happened historically with the Kings. There's years right. where we've – you can go back to the Pearson-Toffoli to Foley. You know, after that 2013 run, I think they didn't make the team in 2014. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I remember they pouted, they, they whined about it, they weren't happy. But right. it was because of waiver flexibility. And, and right. yeah, so it's it's every year. But the defense is very interesting. Mm-hmm. The Kings defense is going to be interesting who makes the team because it feels like outside of Dowdy and Martinez – who else is a true lock? Because Forbert's Forbert. injured. Well, Forbert's, right. I'm saying oh, he's, he's you're injured, not, you're so not I'm not. A dream. Opening night. <laughs> okay. Yeah. If Forbert is still injured, opening night. Yeah. That bottom think, four, man.
1: Yeah, I think that's wide open it's between w- guys like Matt Roy, Walker, Clegg. That's, that's where you might see someone that you haven't seen before. Right. Um,
0: Daniel Brickley's still kicking.
1: Daniel Brickley. Like, that's where I think, again, all things equal. I think you give it to the guys who have maybe played a few games, like the Matt Roys and the Walkers.
0: Maybe a Curtis McDermott is or, in the lineup opening God, night.
1: Just to, just to twist that knife in my back for I'm saying that saying. I never thought he'd make an NHL roster again, but here we are. Well, technically
0: um, you're not wrong yet because he hasn't made an NHL roster True, yet. <laughs>
1: True. Um, but yeah, I think that's where you might see you know, a younger player start the season out sincerely, sincerely doubt that you're going to see a forward like Anderson Dolan make the opening night roster.
0: See, that's a tough one, man. I I don't know. I
1: I think if everything goes the way that the Kings would want it to, unless these guys really just show up at camp and blow the doors off the place, the Kings want there to be this crazy line. They basically want what we saw at the prospect game more or less – Granted, with a few AHL AHL guys in there to be the Ontario rain roster, I yeah. truly believe that.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't think you're off at all. By the way, um, and I
1: don't think this isn't a novel concept either. Like other people have talked about this exact thing, because they can afford to wait. They can afford to give these guys a season of playing 18 minutes of pro hockey a night rather than showing up and playing every third game, every fourth game, and you know four minutes here six minutes there no power play time just so they can practice with kyle clifford and i'm not saying that there's no value in seeing an actual nhl practice but i think there's a bit more value for your offensive players for them to play 17 18 minutes a night and develop their skills at a pro level
0: let's try to project the la king's opening night roster vardy shall we we shall (laughs) let's start at the forwards kopitar Probably gonna make the team. I I got I got high hopes for him. <laughs> Dustin Brown, Ilya Kovalchuk will make the team. Um, mm-hmm. Adrian Campay. Well, I guess we should maybe do like pseudo lines. So sure. Let's say it's Kovalchuk, Kopitar, Brown, which is okay. It was the dream last season. It started.
1: It wasn't terrible to start the season. It just everything else went to hell, and so that never. Came to pass ever again.
0: Right. Let's say it's going to be Tafoli, Carter, Iofalo. Sure. Okay. Um, okay. Campe will be third line center. Mm-hmm. Will Martin, Trevor Lewis will be there, so we'll go to Lewis, Campe, gruntstrom Well, he's. You, we just talked about how he's not a lock.
1: Right. So I think maybe the Martin Furks <clears throat> of the world, oh, perhaps. God. I know it, it's it's not pretty, that but hurts. it is what it is um that amadio me. clifford nikolai progorkin is uh, yes, pro is is maybe actually that's the one name that i think he has to grant, granted not a young player but maybe a different face because of the situation of how they brought him over from russia he's older he's played in the right. khl like i think i think he might be a guy because i don't think i think he would have to clear waivers if they sent him down to the HL, I'm not 100% sure, but I think because of his age and everything, um, he would have to.
0: So let's say, man, let's say Ferk makes the team. <laughs> That's tough. Uh, your fourth line is Clifford, Ferk, and who, Vardy?
1: Clifford, Ferk.
0: Someone's going to have to make this what did you say? That, what, what?
1: So their third was Kempy, Prokorkin, oh. and...
0: Uh, Lewis. Lewis. So so let's say okay. it's, let's say it's Amadio, on the fourth. Okay,
1: okay, Clifford Amadio, Ferk, and and Furk. okay.
0: So we have a twelve man offense here. You need two extras.
1: Okay, I think those two extras, maybe that's where your Wagner and Luff kind of fill in the guys who were playing a bit more last season.
0: The, the, let's say the guys who have proven. They could yes. play in the Wagner,
1: show. I think Wagner has. Wagner very much has. Luff at points had. He was just in Willie D's doghouse for whatever damn reason. Yeah. Not so, that Wagner wasn't, but, you know.
0: All right. So here's our projected lineup Kovalchuk, Kopitar, Brown, Toffoli, Carter, Ayafalo, Lewis, Kempe, Prokorkin, Clifford, Furk, Amadio, Wagner, Luff. Yep. That's – again, this is with seeing nothing, getting no reports of who's showing up in camp, who's doing what. Yeah. Things can change. But like logically, based on what we've already talked about with the waiver eligibility, the safest roster, you would say, like safe, safe. This is yeah. probably what, what we're probably looking at. The yeah. defense then gets crazy.
1: Defense gets interesting. Defense definitely gets interesting.
0: Let, let's say forward's healthy. Okay. So Martinez – Dowdy Forbert. And now we gotta fill three spots. I think Sean Walker mm-hmm. probably is <laughs> safe there. He he's older, he played a while. He's, okay. He's the first name that kinda of comes to mind in that situation.
1: Okay. Joachim Ryan. big and signed, oh, yeah, him, we signed him. One too. year deal. Mm-hmm. That happened. Bottom <laughs> bottom pairing the man
0: and he has an NHL number in camp yeah. so that's a dead giveaway he's number that's 6 right.
1: exactly you don't just damn <laughs> take that muzzin
0: <laughs> um Ryan Stanton
1: I doubt that but okay
0: i'm just saying he's wearing number 5 <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay
1: uh, Brent Sutter's wearing 7 i don't know what you want to make of that
0: <laughs> you never know
1: yeah but um, – and Ledoux again, are we assuming Ledoux is healthy? Are we going by the healthy roster or the unhealthy roster here?
0: Dude, even if he's healthy, is he like – do you feel I at all
1: comfortable? I, no, with, I don't. With but him I, making
0: this team? With the way people view him? Yeah. And the way, way he's been But utilized. again,
1: he's, he's out of waivers at this point. So mm-hmm. if you send him down, you risk losing him for nothing.
0: Right, right.
1: And okay. so that again might be reason enough to keep him up. Healthy, if he's healthy.
0: Okay. You want to say that McDermott (laughs) movie? the opening night extra? Sure. Is there anyone else?
1: This is, again, where you get into that question of if Kale Clegg shows up, if Daniel Brickley shows up. Well, there's
0: Matt Roy is still there. Oh,
1: I thought we counted him. Okay. So
0: he's he's the extra. Okay. So you got Dowdy Martinez, Forbert, Walker, uh, Joachim Ryan, Ledoux, mm-hmm. and and Matt Roy.
1: Yeah. Uh, it's not meant to be pretty. It's really not. That's, yeah. This is the thing. This is just how it's starting. It's not going to be how it ends. And that's not to say that how it ends isn't going to be any prettier, but it might be more fun.
0: Hey, good-looking goaltending.
1: <laughs> and again, they signed Jack Campbell <laughs> to a two-year deal, which... Kind of, again, surprised I, think, you? I don't know if it surprised me because they had to have a goalie that they exposed mm-hmm. to the um, expansion draft in a couple of years. And clearly, that's not going to be um, uh, Peterson. He's probably going to be the goalie that they expose in the expansion draft. And that gives them a little bit of insurance if they decide for whatever reason or things don't work out the way they want it to for them to trade Jonathan Quick, I think, between now and then, which I fully believe is still part of the plan. Crazy. That's where we are now, man. So there you have Wild it, guys.
0: Your are Los Angeles Kings.
1: How it How it will begin. Now, now, it'll how begin. it ends. How yeah, it ends. That's whether, all
0: other, you got your yeah. Tyler Toffoli situation going on. Jeff Carter.
1: Yeah. Trevor Lewis is a UFA, although I would think they would do everything they could to bring him back.
0: Uh, Here's the thing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm not saying you have to, but... I
0: like Trevor, but, like, how many of these, like, legacy contracts can you keep? Like, apparently Kyle Clifford is here forever. Yeah. Um, Which, again... (laughs) I like Kyle Clifford. <laughs> Look, I like this guy, but you're turning over the entire roster at this point, save for like your your linchpin guys, right? Mm-hmm. Your your Dowdy Kopitar. You're 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 trying to turn over basically the entire roster. Do you really need like the culture? Like I get it, and, and like John Hoven especially harps on this for what seems like hours. About how important and vital Kyle Clifford <laughs> is to this organization. And I get it, man, but at some point you got to be like, how many of these guys can we keep? How many of these guys need to be here when, you know, we're in that second wave now? We're like, okay, you know, Turcot's coming in and hopefully mm-hmm. Velardi's coming in and. Kupari's on the team like how many of these Of these guys can you keep and be like all right, bottom six has got to be these guys You can't do that so the Lewis thing going back To why I went on this diatribe The Lewis thing like at some Point you got to be like one of these guys has To go and if I had to Pick I would always I will pick Trevor Lewis 100 times out of 100 To stay to stay To stay let me clarify Mm -hmm. But I don't think he is If Kyle Clifford Is the chosen one as it seems like he is. I just don't see how you keep both those guys. Yeah. With, with all this coming up, man, look at this.
1: I, I'm i right there with you. But again, I think you and I talked about this briefly. How many of those guys that we saw at that prospect camp, and granted, we already said Villardi, Turcotte, the guys who you would pencil in for top-line spots were not there. How many of those guys – would you say are a top line player
0: oh no yes i agree top not all no i would say from the guys we saw strictly from the guys we saw i don't think i don't think there's anyone that you could say for sure this guy's going to be on the top right i would agree nobody um I can't even say that about Turcotte, even though like all projections are he's going to be
1: very true. Sec- very true. I can't he say he that. could end up being he could end up being just a really good second line two way center.
0: Yeah. Um. So I I don't see it, and I think that's why. Like Kopitar, Brown, other than their contracts and other than how much they've really meant to this organization in terms right. of truly winning. No offense, Kyle Clifford. Right. Right. And, and again, I know he's meant a lot to winning too, but like if you look at like Kopitar is a superstar like he's a superstar NHL player he's a yeah so it it's way different for me and i think those guys are going to hold down that first line for as long as they physically can yeah until something comes where they're like okay maybe now like we'll slide to the second line and then eventually yeah ride off into the sunset right i guess what i'm stuff. saying
1: is that if you have the large majority of your prospects projecting to be middle six or lower forwards, right? then you have to have someone who you feel is a good representative of what you want in a middle six forward. Maybe not necessarily in terms of on-ice play, but in terms of how they are in the locker room, what they bring to the team. And right or wrong, the Kings seem to have picked Kyle Clifford to be that guy. And age-wise, he's younger than Trevor Lewis. Again, he's coming off his best season ever, which, granted, is still not as good as Trevor Lewis's best seasons. But Trevor Lewis is 32, going on 33. Mm-hmm. He's a more versatile player than Clifford. But I think, I think it's going to be one of those like, you know, if they decide to only pick one of the two, it's. I think they're going to go with Clifford. Truly,
0: I do too. Now, who? We I, just don't agree just, with. I it. was just clarifying who I would pick. Ah, uh, I see. Because I if see you're it. talking about someone who exemplifies what a middle six forward should be, particularly in yeah. the new hockey, in the new NHL, yeah. it ain't Kyle Clifford, baby. It's Trevor yeah. Lewis. I hear you. This guy, although, could although
1: Clifford has been trying, he, I look, think the last couple of seasons to refine his game more so in that direction.
0: Great. <laughs> I respect that. I really do. I respect it. I respect him. I respect everything he's done. But he ain't, he's not Trevor Lewis. Yeah. Trevor Lewis, when I, when, if you tell me, like, pick one guy so you could win, I pick Trevor Lewis every time. Not just because I think he's a better hockey player in the raw sense of, just, of skill. Mm-hmm. I just, he, just can, he can do anything. Mm-hmm. He can play anywhere. Yeah, and but from all indications, like he's been a good pro and all this other hockey words that everyone loves to throw around. Yeah. So that's all I'm saying. Yeah, that's I agree. I agree.
1: I hear you. I saying. hear you. So that's there that's the excitement coming your way, Kings fans. Again, it ain't about how you start. It's going to be about how we finish and who still ends up being on this roster. You know who we didn't even consider on the forward side. Is a little or older Kempe?
0: Oh <laughs> yeah, there's Mario Kempe well. still around. So
1: that's guys. So this is what I'm saying. Like they they have these guys that they brought in, you know. I think to plug holes so that they could more easily fill out the AHL roster with younger players rather than worry about bringing them up and not necessarily playing them.
0: But we'll see. Look, Mario Kempe will be fine in Ontario. Yeah, he's living on the you know near the beach with his
1: yeah brother. they're Oh dude, they're they're, they're going to definitely. It up. Yeah.
0: Yeah. They're going to do They're, some work. Yeah. They're going to put in some shifts <laughs> at the local watering hole, I assure you. That's right. That's you. right. Um,
1: Manhattan Beach ain't safe when the Kempies are on the prowl.
0: No, and they'll have a great time. And he'll be like, you know what? It's okay.
1: Yeah. Might be the best year of his life, him and his bro just GTLing just,
0: it up. Just <laughs> wheeling. he <laughs> be wheeling around there. Just
1: flow everywhere.
0: Man. And wait till uh, Fagamo gets involved there. They're oh, my gonna, God. Gonna, man.
1: Oh Lock- my God! None and of and man bun your, to go around.
0: Hide your women. <laughs> hide your women, Los Angeles.
1: Uh. Um. <laughs> yeah. So there is one little topic, um, not directly hockey related, but I kind of wanted to bring this up because it's uh, California and amateur-ish player related. Is um, have you seen these the Senate bill? the California Senate bill that recently seems like it's going to pass. It's like one step away from being passed. It has to be signed by the governor that essentially will allow uh, college athletes to use their image and their name yeah. even while they're still in college to be able to promote themselves and make money, you know, be yes. that running yes. a camp or something like that in the an offseason. Um, and it's like getting unanimous approval. It got voted 39 to 0 bipartisan support. And it more or less has the NCAA pooping its pants because there's other states that have kind of considered doing this. And if they do that, then they start kind of taking away the power that the NCAA has over some of these athletes and some of these programs in terms of how they recruit players and how they bring them on um, because the NCAA essentially controls these players and their image and how much they get paid for things and that includes making video games or whatever it is and not really assigning them and controlling like what they can do which really sucks because if you think about it that like say you're a college player and everyone says oh you're going to be a first round pick somewhere but then you blow your knee out or something like that happens before you ever got it you're you're done you never got a chance to actually capitalize on the thing on your god-given talent to make as much money as you could because the ncaa said that you're sorry buddy you play by our rules which is why you're actually seeing a lot of uh now nba players and nba prospects either a just going straight from high school the lebron james kevin garnett amari Stoudemire route or b actually playing in europe now right. where they can play for an actual league and make money which is something that is interesting because i think basketball and, and football are definitely the the two sports that are going to be the most affected by this, but I was thinking about how this is going to affect hockey in certain programs, and the Kings being a team that has traditionally not shied away from recruiting guys from um, that are either going the college route or signing college UFA's and stuff. I wanted to chat a little bit about, like, you know, what your thoughts are on on how this might affect um, hockey programs ncaa teams and whether you think this is going to lead to more players now going down the hockey route because now they have the capability to make a little more money which before they would have to go to europe potentially or play through juniors to to make some money that way yeah or what do you think
0: so i i did hear about it i saw you know lebron james was advocating for it very strongly and all this stuff so it was on my radar the first thing that i think of is that now players hockey players have an incentive a big incentive to choose number one to go to school Mm -hmm. and number two to be an ncaa hockey player over junior a hockey in canada Mm -hmm. which is the bread and butter which is the the cream of the crop in terms of young players right yeah the
1: chl right now this is only california california does not have a div one hockey program right but I'm talking Arizona about, State just had correct. their program be elevated to Division One. Correct. How much longer do you think it would take for all these other programs out in the Pacific to start following if Arizona State can do
0: that? Not – in the grand scheme of things, I don't think it would take long at all. Right. Will it take long in terms of like human years? Maybe. It will take, take some time. But what I'm saying is that's the part – that's the thing that, that jumps out to me immediately is like the incentive – the growth of hockey in the United States – would be i think strongly affected by this mm-hmm. because you will have now first of all if players choose to come to the United States because of that incentive number 1 to to get an education at a great school to be a student athlete and to monetize off their image and likeness and all this other thing i think that's huge because if that ends up working the way we envision it working you will have a grassroots campaign for hockey that you really don't have to do anything all you have to do is offer the incentive you'll have great players whether it be from Canada or cuz US players go to Canada too mm-hmm. US players who are great players to say you know what I'm going junior A because that's the route that is most successful in hockey right. to go in this, to the CHL and and right. get drafted cuz that's where all the eyes are Arthur Kaliev, perfect there you example go. there you go Uzbekistan born
1: mm-hmm.
0: but an American basically
1: yes.
0: he is now playing for Hamilton in the OHL mm-hmm. Arthur Kaliev could very easily under these conditions to say you know what I'm playing Boston College because hockey's very much alive there I can get an education and I can make some money right and I could take care of myself I don't have to worry about a billet family I don't have to worry about all these other things I'm independent I think it's it's a hell of an incentive man I think yeah and what that does is it now more D one schools will start springing up. You have good players. Now, every, now, you know, younger kids in high school and stuff are like, man, maybe hockey's the way to go because look at all right. the incentives I get, and not just that. U S hockey, I think, will right. will experience a little bit of a, a boom there. So I'm. That that was my initial thoughts on it. I think it's for hockey. It's a slam dunk, man. Like. The other sports, I understand. NCAA is the lifeline to professional sports for the NFL, for the NBA. I get all that, but but hockey's a way different mm-hmm. case, and that's why I think for hockey, it's could it could be so much more impactful than other sports.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree, and and that was kind of my thought too, is because hockey, I think, is very unique. And granted, the NBA has been doing more and more to recruit internationally. NFL is still not quite at that point, Um, but hockey is very unique in terms of how they're drafting and developing their players from this, you know, built-in circuit from Europe and from the, from the CHL a lot of the time, or these high school leagues or whatever it may be. And I feel like it's been only within the last 10, 15 years that you are seeing more and more consistent players come out of the college hockey system. But, you know, without necessarily the advantage of, of some of the, you know, the European or CHL teams. And so, like you mentioned, I think, I think especially cause overall, a lot of these guys, a lot a lot of the things that I've seen from these the guys who've come the college route, Rob Blake himself, yeah. you know, having been, a lot of these guys go back and they actually finish their degrees at some point as well. A lot of these guys transition or try to transition to some sort of a managerial role or something like that. And so I think it would definitely open up a bit more opportunity for the reasons that you already mentioned, for these guys to pursue something that might be more helpful for them long term. It might be a pipe dream on my part, but I think a lot of these guys are more interested perhaps in developing a little bit more and doing these things, because they know it's going to take years until they get to the NHL. right They get drafted at eighteen. Very few of them, even if they're in the CHL or Europe, actually make it to the NHL within their first few years. They sign a contract and then they go back and they develop. So they could very easily still do that in college and still make a little more money. And, and again, that's drastically different than the NBA or the NFL, where you get drafted and you're done. Like you, you either make an NBA roster or, you, or you're done. Right. You either make an NFL roster or you're done. It's it's very interesting, and I think it's it creates a very interesting scenario for the NHL going forward. It's going to be over the next couple of years. I'm I'm really intrigued to see how the NCAA and you know the states and stuff like that kind of come come to grips with all this.
0: Yeah, I think it's it's just such an attractive cuz you know, you also have the opportunity to set yourself up for life after hockey. Absolutely. A- and that's not even about like you could work in hockey, but imagine doing that with I don't know, a, a law degree, hypothetically, yeah. which is which is I get it that's a little extensive, but
1: but it's not though. It's not a lot of these guys will go on and they'll go back because they have that right. established already like the couple years and they want to be sports agents. They want to be general managers. They want to do these things. I yeah. think it's
0: yeah,
1: yeah. And and again, the hockey development system and and how that works is very very unique. And it's intriguing to me. It really is. I've never I've never ever understood or agreed with the idea that the NCAA does not allow these players in oh, any yeah. of these sports. It's
0: it's well, this has been a topic a controversial topic for a long time now. Well, yeah. you know, more recently than in the years past, but it's, it's kind of been brewing and bubbling into something big. And, uh, yeah, when you consider the amount of revenue that is generated from college sports in the United States, it's bonkers. It's absolutely right. crazy. And, and, like, the little stipends these players get to, like, survive yeah. and get by. And, yeah, they get advantages, of course, but it's, it's nothing – compared to what they bring in. The right. advantage is fully on the side of the NCAA. It's not even close.
1: Absolutely. And it's and it's hilarious to me when people make the argument of like, well they're getting a free education. It's like, come on, man. Come on. You know that like a good number of these guys who are playing football or basketball or whatever, they're not gonna finish their degree.
0: Not to mention it's not like all of them are getting a free ride simultaneously. Yeah. There's tons of players who aren't on the full scholarship. Right. So It's not like oh, every player you see in the NCAA is on a free ride. It's not like that. Yeah. You know, especially when you get into football and you're fielding a 50-man roster, it's not like that. Or
1: or some of the lesser sports like soccer or whatever it is. Right. They're not getting if if they don't make a professional league, which even if they do make it, they typically don't pay nearly as much as the NBA or the NFL does. They're stuck. Yeah. They're stuck. Like there, there should they should not be, not allowed to make money from the thing that they devote the majority of their time towards when they're in college. And
0: imagine the impact it would have on women's sports. Oh, totally. Which is they're greatly, greatly undervalued for what they bring. Financially, let's not even talk about that. You know, like female soccer, essentially, you're just trying to get on that World Cup team. Right. And I don't even know what the financials are on that, but – there have been several stories where they haven't had money, they haven't had funding, and it's been problematic. There was a whole
1: ESPN 30 for 30 there. Yeah,
0: yeah, on the U.S. women's team, right? Mm-hmm. Soccer team. So let it's just – it's a layup. I'm, yeah. Like it's a layup. And really, really how much is it going to hurt the NCAA's right. bottom, bottom line? Honestly.
1: Right. The one thing that I did here is that like, well, if they do this, then teams are going to – you know, get into, like, bidding wars with one another. And I'm like, they already do that. These guys already know that if they go to, like, it's Alabama a, for football, they're more likely to make the NFL. It's not a secret.
0: Right. And the bidding isn't always financial. They bid in other of ways. Course, so of it's course. Not, this has been going on forever. I mean, of course. unless you've had your head in the sand and right. you believe everything's kosher, like, come right. on now.
1: I I – Again, this is not like the socialist in me or whatever, but I always find it very difficult to side on the side of the multi-billion-dollar organization in this fight. Right. When there's, you know, 18 to 20 year olds who this is going to be the peak of their athletic availability and and that's it. Like I'm I'm never going to side on the side of the billion-dollar organization ever. Yeah. They'll be fine. They'll figure out a way. Same people with people will still fill up or you know, stadiums. They'll still come out and watch these players, even if they're, you know pitching for their local Toyota dealer or something like that to make a thousand dollars here and there. Right. It's not gonna it's not gonna break their bank. Right. I assure you.
0: I, that's the thing. I don't understand why the NCAA would even control. Do. I, I control. get it, but like That is it. But you're still I don't know. I guess. Is the power thing? Fine. That's that's stupid. But. They want
1: to control their message. They want to control their revenue. They don't want these guys, you know, going out there and being like, "I'm an NCAA player, and I want you to, you know, buy some pop no. brownies from this freaking place or something." You know, like they want to be able to control the message. They want to be able to control their product. Well, that's what it comes down to. They're not going to control
0: it forever. It doesn't yeah. matter whether it happens now. It's this is coming down. This it's wall coming. is coming down. Right. It's inevitable. Might yeah. as well just accept it now and move on. Good. Yeah. That's, that's where all, we stand. Yeah, man. I'm all for it. We're always pro-athlete. Always. Doesn't matter. You know, get your money. Get some youth hockey kids some endorsement deals. I don't care. <laughs> Sell some swag. <laughs> <laughs> all right, buddy. Yep. I'm ready.
1: It's about that magical time. Episode 45.
0: Jonathan Burney.
1: Good. Nailed it. <laughs> Guess what? He's the only one. No, Don't you wish? Don't, Don't I you wish. wish? Don't I wish? Don't you wish? All right. How well, many? I told you. I told you last time that you would not have to deal with the insanity that was in the number forty-four. <laughs> yeah. The twelve players that wore the number forty-four. It was rough. No sir. It was. It was a rough go.
0: I did this well time, though. I did real well. You, you. You did. And somehow, Miss Davis drewisky, which was <laughs> still frustrating.
1: People were yelling at you. Yeah. Um. However you still got to get seven total, mm. one of which you already mentioned, Jonathan Bernier. So, so here comes the sad part. Jonathan Bernier was the longest reigning number 45. Yeah. From it's... 2008 to 2013, actually. I, I really forgot that he was in the organization for five years. But
0: Yeah, this number sucks. It's a stupid it's... number.
1: <laughs> the Stupid numbers continue.
0: Okay, I got one more for you.
1: Okay, go I for got, it. I
0: got Sandy Moger.
1: Wow. Well done. Yep. Ninety eight to ninety
0: nine. He was traded for I wanna say Stumple. Might have to check sure. that out. But he was. it was a Boston trade. All right. Um I'll believe you. I think it was Stumple. We got Stumple from
1: So he's the second longest reigning from ninety eight to ninety nine.
0: Does this surprise you that those are the two I got?
1: Negative Ghost Rider.
0: Uh-huh. Okay.
1: The rest of them, however, are your typical single year players.
0: Awesome. This is going to suck.
1: <laughs> but it's a fun trot fun. down memory okay. lane. So and that's the, We really just do it for that.
0: All right. Let's start backwards, Vardy. Okay. Um, backwards as in after – was it Bernier and then Moger or is there a player in –
1: There's two actually between. between Moger okay. and Bernier.
0: Okay. That's, that sucks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's go with the years on the guy after Bernier. Please.
1: Oh, the guy before Bernie, you mean? Correct. Bernier Bernie was Ame. the last 45. Correct. The one before him is actually a name that you will remember. Great. He was 2006. Mm. 2006,
0: number 45. Mm-hmm. How mm-hmm. many games played?
1: So, one. Mm-hmm. But. One but. But. Okay. You will have... He was also in the farm system for an extended period of time.
0: Yeah. Forward, defenseman, or goaltender? Goaltender. Ooh.
1: Which is why that one game, having played one game. Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. It's, again, if I told you the name, you would be like, oh, wow. But maybe you just don't remember that he wore this number
0: around those years.
1: Two
0: thousand six. Mm-hmm. It's not Fuki Fuji, is it?
1: No, 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 no. <laughs> okay. He was again. Think of someone who was in the. Okay.
0: Okay.
1: Who was in the system for a while? Lots of AHL games.
0: Lots of AHL games. Mm-hmm. Don't got it. Sorry.
1: That's okay. Adam Hauser.
0: Adam Hauser. I remember him. Big boy. Right? Yeah. If I remember correctly.
1: Uh, He was 6'2", 195 average. Average. Average.
0: All right. They didn't get you, Adam. Sorry.
1: Moving on. Yeah. All right. So there's one. The next one was 2001.
0: Hmm. 2001. Yes. Games played?
1: Hold on. One.
0: God damn it.
1: <laughs> also a goaltender. Ugh.
0: 2001, he played a game. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I remember yep. some, someone in red. Maybe. A red I... mask. <laughs> sure. Some buck. <laughs> B-A-C-H. <laughs> buck. <laughs> Judging by your laughter, Uh, (laughs) I'm going to say it's wrong.
1: That's a solid no, but I love that. Do you remember him? No. When you said red mask, you know what I remembered? Who was the guy we got from Ottawa who had a pretty sweet like senator's mask and then he just kind of gave it a paint job and it became a king's mask. It was almost like the motivation for what would then become now currently Jonathan Quick's mask.
0: Oh, Do you remember what I'm talking about? I do not. From Ottawa, uh, huh?
1: Yeah, and it was around those two thousands too. Anyway, this is irrelevant. Think about forty five. He was also in the king system. He's also a name that I remember now that I see it. <laughs> I just would not have thought that.
0: I don't know, man. Marcel Cousineau.
1: It's these are good guesses. <laughs> They're not. They really are. Uh, um
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna give that up. This is not gonna be good
1: uh Travis Scott not the <sighs> rapper yes not the rapper man yeah.
0: yeah all right moving on
1: all right um let's see here so in, before Travis Scott it was Sandy Moger and mm. then you go to 1996 the glory years
0: the pain is setting in. by the way ryan bach number 31 ah uh, which by well the way played. we did not do 30 or 31 in our guessing game really yeah you we just kind of went with whose episode it is so when we when we come back yeah to 130, <laughs> 130 and 131 we're gonna
1: all right. those. Well, well you're cheating now so uh How am I cheating? Stop it by looking up Ryan Bach.
0: Well, that's not cheating. I'm just trying to see what his number was. Dictator over here. Um,
1: (laughs) I make the rule. I made the game. uh, Sorry. What
0: was the year? 96?
1: Yes. 96.
0: Yeah. No. No, not so much. Played two games. All right. You know what? I'm sorry. From now on, (laughs) if they played under 10, they just skip it. I don't
1: don't know Man Ruslan
0: Hmm. Good old Rusty
1: Yeah, Yeah, Not great I don't know Sorry. Yeah that's okay All right. good This is a tough one These Mm -hmm. these numbers are a struggle Uh, Prior to that 1994 (laughs) (laughs) You know this game was a lot more fun When you were getting them
0: well jesus
1: i'm sorry games played please okay you know what this guy meets your 10 game criteria he has 12 games 12 games uh defenseman or forward um forward
0: have you ever heard his name
1: no but that doesn't mean you haven't that's true this is not going to help you guess it i just (laughs) i just I just think this is hilarious. Just looking through the teams that this guy has played in, apparently there was a team in the OHL at some point called the Detroit Compuware Ambassadors. <laughs> 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 just the saddest name I've ever heard.
0: Oh my god, um, go
1: Compuware Ambassador! I have to look up what these guys' jerseys look like. I just have
0: to. Well, I'm going to give up. So you could tell me the name of this guy, and then you could look up the jerseys. <laughs> um.
1: <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Keith Redmond. Mm, yeah. Yeah. not going to nope. get it. Nope. Nope. Not even okay. ringing, a,
0: ringing a bell. CompuWear Ambassadors legend. <laughs> I forgot his name. You just said his name and I forgot it. <laughs> Redmond. Keith Redmond. There you Keith
1: go. Keith Redmond. Oh, man. CompyWare Ambassadors. Guys, if any one of you happens to be a random Detroit CompuWare Ambassadors fan... It was a midget major ice hockey team. Good Lord.
0: And their jerseys this, suck.
1: This jersey's so bad. Their it's logo like a,
0: is horrible.
1: It's a skyline of Detroit and it says ambassadors under a bridge. And then it just says compuware like 45 times in a circle. Oh,
0: my God. There's a jersey where it says Compuware like the Rangers wordmark. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's so bad oh my oh man that's these are all horrible all right well sorry i can't do this any longer
1: okay the last one
0: there's more
1: there's yeah there was one more he actually played across two seasons in the with the kings 12 games uh 88
0: 89 89 90 88 89 huh i Mm -hmm. should know that season sure let me. I'm gonna pull out a name here.
1: All right, go for it.
0: All I'm seeing is a last name. Like,
1: He's a right winger.
0: Halketus.
1: No, but <laughs> wow! The fact that you even remember that last name is insane. Oh my god! Uh, Gord Walker.
0: Gord Walker. Gord.
1: Gord Walker.
0: <sighs> yeah. Bob Halketus. You know was the man I was thinking of. Number 22 for the LA Kings. <laughs> so, I'm Another done. Number. I'm spent. Yeah. This one
1: exhausted you. I'm sorry, yeah, buddy.
0: I don't want to play but, this game anymore. I'm kidding. <laughs> Actually, next number is going to be horrendous. It's <laughs> <So, laughs>
1: so, not uh, going to be great. I can't make you any promises, but oh, God. I can promise you one thing. The suffering will only last for three players great. for the next one.
0: Great. Yeah. I'm not going to get any, but that's okay.
1: Nope. I have faith. Okay. Thank you. Looking at these names, I think you're gonna do it. Anyway,
0: great.
1: Whose episode should this be? I was I was totally gonna give it the Jonathan Bernie episode just because long is reigning king or whatever. But man, after seeing the Detroit Compuwear Ambassador's jersey, I I feel like Keith Redmond needs a solid here in his life for having worn this thing. So this is the Keith Redmond episode, everyone. Mm-hmm.
0: Mr. Redmond, <laughs> this go, one's for
1: you. Go Detroit Compuware ambassadors! Please Google this jersey. If you are listening to this, do yourself a favor and Google this horrendous jersey and feel for the poor players who had to wear something that said CompuWare on it. Ugh.
0: That's it, guys. We we that's our max right there. We can't do no more. We have more. capped out. Follow us on Twitter at the Bannerman Pod. Throw us an email, thebannermanpod at gmail.com. And, of course, as always, subscribe to the pod. Vardy has something. He's oh my God. very excited.
1: Do you know who was responsible for the creation of the Detroit Compuware Ambassadors?
0: Is it Bruce McNall?
1: No, <laughs> but it is another name that you will completely recognize immediately. And he then went on to bigger and better things. And in fact, one was was the owner of a team that won a cup. Peter Carmanos.
0: <laughs> no kidding. I swear to God.
1: Founded <laughs> in the mid-70s by Compuware owner and president Peter Carmanos.
0: Wow. I feel even... Some of... Wow! So I do didn't you know there was of... an actual Compuware connection.
1: Do you want to hear some of the players that have come through the Detroit Carolina Compuere Hurricanes Harsetters?
0: owner Eric Peter Lindros, Bermond.
1: Pat Lafontaine, what? Mike McDonough, David Legwand, Darian Hatcher, and Doug Waite have <laughs> all played in the Compuware Ambassador <laughs> program. My mind is just blown right now. <laughs> oh, Where? That's... What? What the what?
0: Guys, Sorry. Vardy's going to settle down I... in time for episode 46. We'll see you next time. Thank you, your Go computer ambassadors. You've
1: been listening to The Bannerman, an L.A. Kings podcast.